Welcome into the Power Rally. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. Well, the Bison just finished up another successful series against the Rochester Red Wings. Earlier this season, Buffalo took five out of six from the AAA affiliate of the Washington Nationals at Trenton Thunder Ballpark. And this past week, just down the road in Rochester, the Bisons once again took five out of six games at Frontier Field, helping the Bisons enter the off day on Monday, best third place in the AAA East Northeast Division standings at 22-18 and 18 on the season. The Bisons have won four straight, winners of seven of their last 10, and trying to close the gap on Worcester and scranton Wilkesbury. The Rail Riders continue to lead the Northeast Division at 28-11. and 11. Worcester, same amount of victories, but 14 defeats, 28-14 and 14 on the year, a game and a half back of the AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees. Then the Bisons sit in third. Lehigh Valley, Rochester, and Syracuse rounding out the Northeast Division. Buffalo getting set to take on the Mets for a six-game series in the Salt City. And this is a Syracuse team that's reeling. They have lost 12 games in a row entering play on Tuesday. The Bisons look to extend that streak and continue their climb up the Northeast Division standings. Coming up later here in the Power Alley, we'll take a look at some of the impressive numbers the Bison's pitching staff has put together, not only in the month of June, but in the AAA season overall, and where they stand in minor league baseball in several of those categories. But first, after the Bisons took on the Red Wings for their second series of the season, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to catch up with Josh Wetzel, the longtime radio play-by-play voice of the Rochester Red Wings, get some of his impressions of AAA baseball so far this season, even touch on the alternate training site last year when Buffalo became home to the Toronto Blue Jays. Rochester served as the alternate training site for the players that could have been called up to the big leagues throughout the course of the 2020 season. But we'll start with Josh with some of his impressions of the Bisons team this year, both offensively and on the mound. Well, Josh, the Bisons are taking on Rochester for the second series of the season. And it's been an exciting three-way cup matchup so far. Um, you know, how, how have your impressions of the Bisons so far been over now about 10 games uh, of action against Rochester? Yeah, they've, they've been impressive, you know, uh, in Trenton in May, uh, the, the pitching was terrific overall in that series. There were guys that were hot at the plate. I mean, Buffalo's had some players that have been kind of wings killers over the years, like Bravic Valera, who was big in the series in Trenton, and now he's back. And, you know, Christian Cologne had a huge series back in May in Trenton. Forrest Wall was really good. So I think Buffalo has been really impressive. And, you know, it seems like Rochester's had the misfortune over the last number of years to play – uh, with the unbalanced schedule, one of the better teams in the league a lot. And, you know, this year the the Wings and Buffalo are supposed to play 30 times. So uh, that hasn't worked out in the Wings' favor too, uh, too well so far. You mentioned some of the veterans, and I think that's one of the things, and we've talked about it um, when we've seen each other at the ballpark, veterans and those, those free agents that the Blue Jays are now signing, whether it was back in 2019 – going out and finding guys like Socrates Brito on a trade and ending up in Buffalo. That's one of the things I think going forward is in the Bison's favor is guys like Valeria, you mentioned Christian Cologne signed out of independent baseball. They're nice pieces to round out a lineup when you've got some prospects in it, isn't it? Yeah. And I, you know, if you look back at some of those really good Buffalo teams from the Cleveland days, even, I think that's kind of what they did there. They had the, the really good Cleveland prospects, but then they, added in the the good free agents, which it seems like those are the teams that win the most in AAA, right? The teams that have the good young 
prospects that have been around in an organization, but then they fill in with the really good free agents. The trick is finding those right free agents, which I think sometimes is kind of like finding lightning in a bottle. You know, uh, it just sometimes is kind of how it works out, you know, the luck of the draw, so to speak, and if you sign the right guys. But it seems like Buffalo certainly is on the right track. One of those guys, Juan Gratterall, someone we've seen a lot, not only in Buffalo, but in Rochester as well. And it seems like he's find a new, found a new lease on life behind the plate, doesn't it? Well, he looks great, man. I mean, honestly, he, he's lost a lot of weight. He looks like he's in great shape. If you didn't know it was him, he's almost unrecognizable physically. I mean, our PR guy, Nate Rowan, told you and me the other day that when he came up to the plate in the first game of this series, uh, he told everybody in the press box, hold on, this isn't Gradrol. He didn't recognize him. And he wasn't joking. But, you know, Juan played well for the Wings. I think it was in 2018 and got called up to Minnesota. And then he was going to be a Red Wing in 2020 had there been a season. He, he was with the Twins on another minor league deal in 2020 but then of course there wasn't a season so he's playing really really well for Buffalo right now and he's you know a, a, the kind of guy you're talking about very good behind the plate I think he's really good with pitchers and uh, he's always been able to to put the bat on the ball and get hits and for a team that has a lot of young pitching I think that could be so valuable to have a veteran like Gratterall like you mentioned you know just working with the pitchers and and kind of you know maybe helping them through certain situations yeah and and if, I think if you look over his numbers Early on in his career, I don't think he hit nearly as as well as he kind of has lately. That's what kind of kept him around, I think, the fact that he was a really good catcher and he was as known for good uh, for good defense behind the plate and helping pitchers out. So that's kind of what I think kept him around for a long time. And and now he's just become a just a really solid veteran player all the way around. I'm, I'm really happy for the guy. He always, he always seemed like a good dude and and he's really having a good season. And when we talk about some of the position players, the, the young talent for, for the Bisons, you've seen Kevin Smith up, up front. You've seen Logan Warmoth, Colin Large. There's some players that, uh, you know, as we talk to other people in the organization, they didn't necessarily know where they would fit going forward. But, you know, what have you maybe thought of some of those younger players that hadn't seen AAA before in your impressions in, in a small sample size? Well, Smith has been really good, obviously. I mean, he's hot right now, but and I know his defense is supposed to be pretty good, but you, you add in the fact that he's putting up big time offensive numbers right now. And that sounds like a pretty good prospect. I mean, he's hitting with power, he's stealing bases. So he's doing really well. Uh, Colin large is somebody I'd never really heard of before. And uh, you know, he's played really well against the, the Red Wings uh, playing multiple positions. And so it seems like the blue Jays have some pieces there. Of course, their major league team has a bunch of young position players who are, uh, you know, maybe going to be locked in with the Blue Jays for a long time. So you just wonder where those guys would fit in at the major league level with Toronto. But, uh, you know, if they're stuck in Buffalo, that's good news for the Bisons. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, as, as we look at the through a cup rivalry, and unfortunately, so far, you haven't been able to come to Salem Field this year. Yeah. But uh, for folks that have, have maybe made the trek to Frontier Field, new affiliation for the Rochester Red Wings going forward. Uh, you know, how has the transition over the past several months going from the Twins organization now to the Nationals been for your front office? Uh, I think it's been fairly seamless. I mean, I'm just happy that we're playing, you know. Uh, that was the big concern for me. I mean, by the end of 2019 and, and moving into 2020, we had started to hear, to hear rumors that maybe the Twins were going to try to uh, finagle a way to get St. Paul as their affiliate, even though the Saints had been an independent league team. And, and I'm not even positive the Saints for a long time – 
really wanted to be affiliated with anybody, but the twins convinced them it was going to be a good move for them. And I think it ultimately will be. So, you know, we were, we were kind of on the outside looking in and the nationals uh, fortunately for Rochester decided to come here as a, as a AAA affiliate, which make a lot more sense for them because they had been stuck out in Fresno in 2019. But uh, so far it's been pretty good. Uh, it helps the fact that Matthew LeCroy, who's the manager, played for the Red Wings in 2007. So at least there was somebody there that we already knew and had relationships with. There are a couple of guys in the team that played with the Red Wings as twins farmhands, uh, most notably Daniel Palka. But it, 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 it has been interesting, you know, after you, from my perspective, for so many years, working with the same organization and knowing a lot of the players as they come back, uh, it's been different. You know, it certainly has been different trying to figure everything out. But, you know, again, the bottom line to me is just the fact that we're playing games this year and and it, it really wouldn't have mattered who we were affiliated, affiliated with to me. And, and, you know, add in the fact that in, in this era of, of COVID-19 and there being no season last year, your front office, I don't think, really had a lot of time to foster a new relationship. And so it's, it's you, you can tell me better, but it's kind of one of those things where are you guys sort of, uh, learning as an affiliate on the fly as, as we go here in 2021? Yeah, I think so. I know, for example, you know, you only meet people over Zoom primarily, uh, like Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Nationals, and the, the guy who's basically in charge of the minor leagues, Mark Shalaba. They haven't been into Rochester. I think Mark Shalaba is going to come in uh, during this next home series with Worcester. That'll be the first time I believe he'll ever have set foot at Frontier Field. So it, it definitely is a little bit different, uh, that's for sure. And how has the fan reception been since the, the announcement came this past offseason? Uh, that, you know, it's it's difficult for me to, to, to tell really at this point. I think, again, they were they're just happy we're playing games, I think, you know, uh, that was kind of at the forefront of everybody's mind more than anything else. Uh, you know how fans are. I mean, uh, especially around here with long term franchises like Rochester and Buffalo, a lot of the hardcore fans like winning teams and championships and playoffs and the Red Wings have, have certainly played up the fact that the franchise has won 10 Governor's Cup championships. Well, they haven't won one since 1997. And even though a lot of really good players came through here as Twins farmhands, the team didn't win a title as a Twins affiliate, only went to the playoffs twice. I think the Twins were a really good organization to work with, and I like dealing with them a lot. A lot of the fans, though, I think, quite frankly, were, uh, were happy to see the, the Twins leave and have another organization come in. Uh, just because of that. I, now, a lot of fans don't have any clue what's happening, quite frankly, you know what I mean? I mean, let's just be honest. And, uh, you know, hey, that's how it works out. Not Only one team wins every year. Uh, there are a lot of factors involved. And like I said, with the lightning in the bottle thing, I've always felt that, not to go off on a tangent, Pat, but <laughs> winning in AAA is like catching lightning in a bottle a lot of times, man. And especially in the old IL North days, and the Bisons fans have known about this now recently too, Scranton has been so good year in and year out. It's tough to win in this division because they've just been terrific year in and year out. And Lehigh Valley lately had been really good. So, you know, the Red Wings had a couple of years there where they won 80 games. And as you know, Pat, when you win 80 games in a season in the minor leagues, normally you're in the playoffs. The Wings had back-to-back -back seasons where they won 80 games and didn't make the playoffs because Scranton and Lehigh Valley were so good. So I don't know. I just kind of twisted myself around there a little bit, but it's, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I don't have any idea how the fans are uh, are taking it so far. 
<laughs> but I, I think your point is a valid one because if the affiliation with the Nationals can even come close to what it was with the Twins or even you know prior affiliations going previous to that where you have prospects come through the organization and for the Nationals maybe developing uh, talent uh, through the draft um, of the next couple of years, then that's a, a reassessment of, of how well your affiliation is going prior to you know the past 20 years where it was winning is the, the most important part of it and winning is still important, but it's developing those players as we've seen in Buffalo uh, recently, you can look at the big three with Vladdy, Bo, and Kevin. Well, and the, the thing with the Red Wings too, that's different from so many other minor league franchises, we've been around forever like Buffalo has, but the Nationals now are only the fourth affiliate the Wings have ever had. I mean, they were with the Cardinals forever, the Orioles forever, the Twins for almost 20 years. So there's no other, there's really no other minor league ball club that I know of that has only had four affiliates over the course of basically a hundred years. I mean, that's crazy. So, uh, you know, these fans get used to basically seeing the same organization in here for long stretches. So there definitely is a, a transition. And I think, you know, over the course of time, uh, there were, uh, there were starting to develop some twins fans in Rochester. It took some time, but now, you know, the twins are out of here. And now uh, one of the things the Red Wings are trying to do is foster fans of the nationals, you know, hoping to, to make that uh, transition into nationals fans, something that, that takes form here too. And Josh, now we're almost two full months into the season. We're getting close to middle to late June. Um, I know the season started a month late, but you know, how has the league adjusted in terms of from the games you saw up close and personal through the first month, whether it be pitching dominating the hitting like we normally see in April so where we are now and how things have kind of maybe settled out almost two months in. Yeah, I think it's normalized a little bit. Quite frankly, the first two or three weeks of the season, the baseball was pretty bad. And I think uh, that was all across the minor leagues. And that had to be because of the fact that so many guys just hadn't played in a year or more. And so the walks were up. Uh, the games did not feature very good defense at all. And now you can see across the league, the, the level of walks has started to drop. I think the defense in general has gotten better. The games have gotten crisper and are just better games uh, aesthetically. So I think it definitely has normalized some. It was puzzling the first two or three weeks of the season, though, to see how, quite frankly, how bad the games were. And I, I think we just have to attribute it to the fact that these guys hadn't played in so long. And, and I think it was a good lesson to some of these front office people that maybe feel like playing games isn't as important you know that some of the some teams probably liked how they could bring guys up in 2020 from the alt sites mm -hmm. and and thought it was okay I think I think we've learned it wasn't okay I mean the, the caliber of baseball is better if guys are playing games it only makes sense and so I think that's one uh, good lesson we've learned from this hopefully and from from your perspective now you're traveling with the team in the Red Wings and um, you know things are starting to get back to normal how has your interaction with players maybe um, changed from what the start of the season and some of the restrictions, um, you know, once teams get to that 85% threshold and, and sort of normalize, how is your, um, your ability to call a game, interact with players, you know, get information the way we used to prior to 2020 kind of uh, settled? Well, you know, I've, I've been really, really lucky because from the get-go, I was one of the the few broadcasters that was allowed to travel with the team. I got tier two status, 
know, found out two hours before we left for the first road trip that I could travel on the bus and everything. So there, there were a handful of us like that. Why I was fortunate enough to be one of those people, I don't know, but uh, I think the Nationals had a part to, to do with that. You know, they were okay with me traveling. I know the AA announcer for the Nationals also was able to travel from the get-go. So for me, things have been pretty normal from the start. Um, you know, I was sure to, to wear a mask in the dugout and in the, the clubhouse and things like that when I would go talk to players. Uh, but now I think the Nationals are at the level where they don't have to wear masks in the clubhouse or the dugout, things like that. So uh, don't have to do it anymore. In fact, now uh, the players that are vaccinated and people like me in the tier two level that are vaccinated, we don't even have to test anymore, which is cool. So um, it, it's gotten better over the course of time, but I've been lucky, you know, uh, I've been able to travel from the start and I feel very fortunate about that. And I was in Rochester the other day, um, you know, taking the Bisons in Red Wings on a Friday night. Zach Logue was on the mound for Buffalo, but I was as impressed as I was with Zach. It was great to see fans back at the stadium at Frontier Field, about 3,400 fans on Friday night. How has, since the, the season has started, the fan interactions been and, and the, the increase in capacity been uh, at, at Frontier Field? Well, it's getting better and better. You know, I think, I think we'd all like to have bigger crowds. You know, I think uh, it's been slow for crowds coming back and it's been around the league. I've noticed, you know, Lehigh Valley where they, they jam them in there. Typically, you know, they haven't been drawing fans the way that, that they typically have. So whatever the factors are, fans have not come back uh, quite yet the way that, that we would hope. I would say that fans that are in the ballpark are more energetic maybe then you know in 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 the past quite frankly it seems like you know there's a lot of pent-up energy and frustration in some ways from not going to games in 2020 and so the the fans are pretty lively they're at the games uh but hopefully the crowds will get bigger and bigger and as the weather here in western new york gets better during the course of the summer hopefully our our crowds will increase and josh just one more thing before before we wrap it up i just want to ask you about the alternate site last year and started in buffalo when the blue jays um were trying to find their home for 2020. And then it shifted to Rochester uh, once the Blue Jays called Salem Field home. So I'm just curious, you know, what what the, maybe the players that, that are on the Bisons now, if you had a chance to talk to anybody, um, what the alternate site was like last year in Rochester, their impressions, um, and, you know, just going forward, what, what that meant for, for baseball in Rochester. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a great person to ask that because, you know, that kind of coincided with when I got furloughed from the team and it, you know, I headed back to Kansas to hang out with my parents for three months. Uh, you know, our PR guy, Nate Rowland, who you know very well, was actually the clubhouse guy for the Blue Jays, uh, or at least one of them, uh, during their alt site. I know in talking to uh, uh, John Lannon, who's uh, a mental skills coach, I believe, for the Blue Jays that spends a lot of time with Buffalo, I talked to him when the Wings were in Trenton, and he had very positive things to say about uh, Rochester and the alt site experience. Um, you know, our, our general manager, Dan Mason, as you know, is extremely player friendly and team friendly, and, and he really did the best he could to accommodate the Blue Jays. And I think they were pretty happy with how everything went. Uh, I, I know I'm talking to some of the, the people in our front office that were here for the alt site. It was interesting to hear about some of the things that they did at the alt site to simulate game conditions like blasting the PA, I guess. They really, they really had super loud music and super loud fake crowd noise that they were playing over the PA and they, they kind of kept score in some unique ways to try to simulate some 
game condition. So it's, it was kind of interesting to hear about some of the things that the Blue Jays were doing to try to help these guys and engage them as much as they could. But I know it was a certainly a unique experience, that's for sure. Well, Josh, I appreciate you taking some time today. Best of luck the rest of the way. Hope to see you again in person very soon. It was great to see you at Frontier Field the other day. And again, best of luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Pat. Hope to see you soon. Thanks again to Josh for joining us here in the Power Rally. Looking to catch up with him once again very soon. Hopefully see him again in Rochester later on this summer as the Bisons continue on in the 2021 AAA season. Well, as the Bisons enter play on Tuesday against their other throwaway cup rival, Syracuse, the Bisons' offense has helped immensely over the last couple of weeks, putting up a big 14-run spot against Rochester last week. The offense helping carry the way at times, but it's been the pitching staff this year that has been one of the best, not only in AAA baseball, but has been one of the best in the minors, period. The Bisons entering play with a 3.13 earned run average. That is best in AAA baseball, not only AAA East, but all 30 teams of AAA and nearly 30 points better than the Durham Bulls, who sit at a 3.46 earned run average through 41 games this season. The Bisons sit in third place overall in minor league baseball, looking up at double-A Somerset and the single-A Charleston River Dogs, the only two teams in minor league baseball with a lower team earned run average through 40 games this season. The Bisons 3.13, Somerset a 3.01 earned run average, and Charleston a 3.00 team ERA through 40 games this year, leading the pace in minor league baseball. It's a host of familiar names that are helping lead the Bison pitching staff this year. Kirby Sneed leads all pitchers in appearances, 17 outings for Buffalo, including a spot start over 18 and two-thirds innings. Sneed is 1-0 with a 1.45 earned run average. Brian Baker, one of the closers on the Bisons this season, you remember back in 2019, joined the team just after the All-Star break. Baker, 2-0 with a .57 earned run average over 15 and two-thirds innings pitched this year. Hobie Harris, a sub-2 ERA as well, 1.76 over 14 outings for Buffalo. And on the mound, they've gotten some very good starting pitching as well. Jacob Waggis packed this past week, a couple of wins against Rochester, improving his overall season record to 3-2. and two. Nick Allgaier has gone back and forth from the rotation of the bullpen, even making a spot start for Buffalo recently, 2-2 two and two on the year. Eight appearances, five starts for the herd as well. So the Bison pitching staff getting a very good start this season and continuing it through the first two months of AAA baseball. And they've also helped lead the way in strikeouts. Something that you heard Josh and I talk about earlier on here in the power alley as pitching has started to catch up to the hitting. The Bison's team has struck out 413 over the course of the season so far. That's third best in AAA baseball. Louisville and Durham, the two teams better than the Bisons in terms of strikeouts on the season. Round Rock from the AAA West is the fourth team, followed by Indianapolis in AAA East, rounding out the top five, along with Nashville, both with 403 strikeouts on the season. So better than 400 strikeouts, the top five marks in AAA baseball, and the Bisons owning the third best at 413. Well, the Bisons will enter play on Tuesday, starting a six-game series against Syracuse. Then it's back home to Trenton after an off day next Monday. The Bisons will be at home at Trenton Thunder Ballpark to take on Lehigh Valley for a home series leading into 4th of July weekend. Should be a great weekend, great week of baseball coming up in Trenton following the Bisons series in Syracuse. 
George Springer was on a major league rehab assignment with Buffalo playing in five games this past week against Rochester, trying to get his way back to the big leagues. We hope for Springer and the Blue Jays. He can help the team very soon and for the Bisons continued success as they travel through AAA East Northeast Division rivals. First, it was Rochester. Now it's Syracuse. When we talk to you next week, we'll tell you how the Bisons did against the AAA affiliate of the New York Mets. Until then, we'll talk to you next week in the Power Alley. I'm Pat Malacaro.